thought, well, now we have to talk about something else. So it's um, <laughs> good to you've hear. Got a lot of topics. I know that. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of them fit October. So uh, yes. you had your choice, actually. <laughs> That's right. Where where are you at? Before I introduce you formally, um, where are you at with the um, Kolchak? Uh, re, was it revamp? You you what? Are yeah. You- uh, if you if you would, uh, I I am now turning my full attention to it right now. In fact, uh, I just got through a major um, freelance assignment that took a good deal of the summer. Right. And uh, so I was obligated to do that. And that was a lot more time consuming than I had thought it would be. So now that that is finished, um, I am uh, now, the publisher and I are now uh, turning our full attention to this. And um, I, we're, we're thinking somewhere from, you know, the first quarter of next year to the, the middle of next year as, as the likely publication date. So it looks like what we're going to hit is the 50th anniversary of the series, you know. Uh, oh, as looks excellent. Like yeah. Know. And what will be the name, the title of the book? You know, that's a good question. We haven't, we haven't settled on it yet, but I, I am leaning towards just calling it the Cold Shack Companion. We've okay. never used that title. Well, the first the first book was called Night Stalking, and the second book was called The Night Stalker Companion. And I want to get Cold Shack in there. You know, yeah. uh, Cold right. Shack has always been in the subtitle mm-hmm. uh, of the book. And I thought, well, you know, Night Stalker now can refer to to Richard Ramirez as much as it can refer to the series. You do a search on Night Stalker, it just as often brings yeah. up a serial killer, you know. Right. So yeah. I thought, well, I, I think I want to call it the Colshack Companion this time, and then have it like you know, the subtitle be something like you know, uh, uh, more than fifty years of Night Stalking or something like that uh, as a subtitle. So we get the uh, sort of the original title in the subtitle and make the, the, just the the Colshack yeah. Companion. You know, the, and Colchak Companion actually, actually has some alliteration to it. So um, that sounds good. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm leaning towards, even though it's not written in stone yet. Okay. Well, let me introduce you and we'll get your role in here. Okay. <clears throat> On the line with us today, we have Mark Dwidziak, the uh, who you last heard talking about the death and life of Edgar Allan Poe. Now we're going to talk about some of your other mini books. Mark, you've gotten several on the Night Stalker, Colchak, and uh, Twilight Zone, and well, uh, Columbo, we could go on. And we should probably say that you were the TV critic. What, the Cleveland Plain Dealer? And what other papers? Uh, I, I was the uh, TV critic at the Akron Beacon Journal starting in 1983. Okay. And I was with that newspaper until 1999. And then I jumped to the Plain Dealer in 99. I was there for uh, about 20 years as their TV critic. Gotcha. So I, I put in a lot of time as a TV critic. I, I I wrapped up my journalism career in April of 2020, and I've been sort of just um, focusing on the books and, and freelance work ever since. What do you think it is about Night Stalker that has made it a cult favorite? Because it only lasted one season. And I know in, in writing to you, I said, you know, what other shows, you know, had that kind of largesse or following that... And you mentioned Prisoner and I think what Freaks and Geeks and I don't know if there was another one, but sure. Uh, yeah. But there are many. So it there there are very few that go one year and then just get go on and on in people's memory, or at least on uh, syndication. Yeah, and I, I think you've got to be careful here, is that um Kolshak is an incredibly influential show. It's an incredibly it's a it's it's endlessly intriguing and endlessly important because of the impact it had, but it it does have a following a very uh, dedicated and loyal and passionate following. Thank goodness. 
but I don't think that that Night Stalker actually has the uh, the name recognition that it should and deserves to have. It's it's mm -hmm. unfortunate that the, the, the if you look at some of the other, the, I've done three books on on classic TV series, mm -hmm. uh, Columbo, Twilight Zone, and Night Stalker, and and, and I just had this. Um, <laughs> you know, it's interesting you asked this question because I just had this experience uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was in Los Angeles and I was talking to a lot of young professionals who work in the entertainment industry. And uh, they were asking me about, they, one of them said, is it true you wrote a book about Columbo? Now, st start, stop right there. They knew what Columbo was. Right. These were young right. people, people in their 20s and 30s. Mm -hmm. And they they knew what Columbo was, and they were like, "Oh, did you write about Columbo? Oh, you know that we love that series." They knew uh, without me having to explain it. And I said, "Well, you know, actually, I wrote three books about uh, landmark TV series." And I said, "Well, what's the other ones?" And I said, "Well, the Twilight Zone." Well, they knew the Twilight Zone, of course. You know? Yeah. And then I said, "Night Stalker," and I said, "Kolchak, Night Stalker." They had no idea what I was talking about. Oh. And I had to explain it. I had to explain it to them. So. Yes, Night Stalker does still have a have a very loyal following and a dedicated following, but it doesn't have quite the it hasn't escaped that and gone to a broader sense. Right. But when you explain it to people <laughs> and explain the impact it had, that's when it gets impressive. That's when people really sit up and take notice. And and you say, well, look. I taught a class on um, that I, I created at Kent State University of, on vampires on film and television. Hmm. And we would go decade by decade. We started with Nosferatu and we would work through the decades. Hmm. And when we got to the 70s, I would show them the Night Stalker, right. the original movie. And I would always set it up by saying to the students, I am about to show you the best known unknown vampire movie of all time. And they would look at me like, you know, how is that possible? How, what, what are you talking about? And a lot of these students really prided themselves on their knowledge of vampire lore and legend. And it was that you could see them like, oh, I'll know what you're talking about. You, you can't get this one by us. <laughs> and I would say to them, now, before I tell you the title, you, as I see your cocky faces out there, all ready to, to, uh, to put one over on your professor. Let me tell you something. This movie got a 33.4 rating when it aired and a 54 share. Now, let me explain that. <laughs> the rating back then, with it's only three networks, the rating is the household rating, the percentage of all TV households in America. Now, because more, most households have more than one person, people in it, that means that that movie got more than one third of the entire nation watching it when it aired. Let, now let's look at the share. The share means the amount, the percentage of people actually watching television at a certain time, because not everybody is watching television uh, at the same time. So mm -hmm. Not all TV sets are in use. Some, some mm -hmm. people are out. They've gone out to dinner. They've gone to see friends. There's a, a baseball game, whatever. So I said, in, in this case, this got a 54 share, which means more than one out of every two people watching television that night watched this. Mm -hmm. And yet when I say the title, you're not going to know what it is. And they're like, well, try us. All right. It's the Night Stalker. Blank stares. Not one of them has ever known the title. Hmm. Not one. And 
Now, here's the great thing about it, though, Steve. Then I show it to them. I explain it to them. And I explain that the star is Darren McGavin. And once again, blank stares. And then I say, but you know Darren McGavin. Even though you don't know you know Darren McGavin, you know him. And rather than have you sitting there watching this movie thinking, where do I know that voice from? I know that voice from somewhere. I know that face. He's the old man in Christmas Story. You grew up with, with that every year on, on, on television. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. I said, well, this is a much younger, much more uh, vital Darren McGavin. So, okay, sit back and watch. The great thing about this is when it's over, they all love it. They are just amazed by this movie. The magic that worked in 1972 still works today if you give somebody a chance to watch it. And they are just mesmerized by, by McGavin's performance, by the quality of the film. And remember, this is a, I'm showing this to, to I was showing this to 20, 19, 20 year olds. Mm -hmm. This is a movie that has no CGI, no special right. effects to speak of. Um was done on a on a on a, on a nothing, but the, the 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 probably the the budget would equal probably the craft services uh, bill on Avatar, and mm -hmm. yet they are just absolutely floored by it, and they, they immediately want to know more about it and more about this Carl Kolshak character. So the answer this is a long way to answering your question. The magic is in that original, uh, and 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 largely due to the performance of Darren McGavin. Uh, Kolshak is such a creature of life. He's such a life affirming creature. Mm -hmm. He he constantly gets knocked down. He constantly gets gets beaten up, and he's constantly seeking the truth against all odds. And he, he and and his reward for this is usually a quick, uh, swift kick in the teeth. <laughs> and yet he constantly gets back on his feet and goes after it again. Um, he's kind of like a, a knight errant in a seersucker suit and a, and a pork pie hat. He's um, he just he's an amazing character. So I, I think that, um, you know, it, a lot of this goes back to the original. Mm -hmm. A lot of this goes back to the fact that that movie is a very sly movie. It's a, it has a lot of points of entry to it. And right. I, you see. My point of entry to Night Stalker, 19, January 1972, I was 15 years old. Now, I became a horror fan at seven. And from seven on, I was I was attracted to anything that was on the spooky side of the street, whether that was uh, the Twilight Zone or the Outer Limits on television or Hammer Horror Films or old classic Universal Films repeats on television or uh, Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine, or Castle of Frankenstein magazine, or Building Aurora monster models. I, I was a monster kid. I was what we now today call a monster kid. Mm -hmm. So at 15, you know, right around October, the commercial started. And it was, a, it was just an amazing ad campaign. It had everybody talking about this movie for weeks and weeks before it actually aired. The, the buzz that built about this movie because the, the ads were clever. You couldn't really tell whether this was a real vampire or just as Kolshak says in the movie, this nut thinks he's a vampire. You weren't sure. And by the time it aired in January, everybody was talking about, it. are you going to watch? Yeah, I'm going to watch. Are you kidding? Yeah. So, but the great thing about this movie was once they got everybody hooked and then everybody was watching that night, it gave you a, a formula of of genres 
that were all together and 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 worked beautifully together, but shouldn't have worked together. <laughs> There's just like you look at it now and go, why did this work? Because mm-hmm. at the heart of it, you know, now I was there as a horror fan, and it works very well as a horror story. And but the horror story is very traditional. There's nothing terribly original about this horror story. It's the story of a, a vampire invading a major city. Well, mm-hmm. that's Dracula. Yeah. And Jeff Rice, who wrote the original novel on which the the, uh, the movie was based, was a Las Vegas reporter for many years. He wrote the book to sort of metaphorically talk about the corruption in Las Vegas. And the, the innovation of that story is not the vampire, uh, because the vampire is pure predator in that movie. And so it, it very much reflects the Dracula story. Mm-hmm. And Jeff acknowledged Dracula as one of the primary influences on his book. So the innovation was setting it in Las Vegas. That right. was the great innovation because right. for the first time, you know, now vampire stories had been set on American soil already. We Son of Dracula in the Universal film in the early 40s. Uh, was set in the American South. It was it felt like a almost like an American Southern Gothic vampire story, but that was a very American feel to it. And then in 1954, Richard Matheson writes "I Am Legend," and uh, makes a very American story. And "I Am Legend" is probably the most important vampire novel written between the publication of Dracula in 1897 and today. So it's not that it was set in America. It's not that it was set in a, in a major city. The major innovation was Las Vegas because he, the story is set in not just an American town, but the most American of American towns. Sure. It is set in <laughs> city. It is set for the first time somebody came up with a brilliant idea of setting a vampire story in a town that's on a vampire schedule. <laughs> yeah. You know, you think, right. If you're a vampire, yeah. where are you going to go? Let's go to a place that's on your schedule. Las Vegas right. is up all night. And it has a lot of drifters and people coming and going and people on the edges of society. It's a smorgasbord for a vampire. It's perfect. So you know, you have, that's one thing that, so you, you have a very traditional, it appealed to me because it was a horror story told in a traditional mm-hmm. horror yeah, you know now, I, that, no, i'm sorry steve go ahead well, i was gonna say we're talking with mark dubiziak the author of several books on on night soccer kolchak the night soccer and you know i was thinking mark since i knew you you would be talking i i thought oh you know i gotta go get a dvd and check out back on night Stalker because i hadn't seen it in a while and you know what i found when i looked at it and and you might feel the same because of your your history it's almost nostalgic because and I'm talking about the series, which which followed the the telemovie that that you've been relating, right? It's a but that was by right, a couple of years, right? Now you probably mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, I got nostalgic because right. of the, the right. depiction of the newspaper, and I thought, oh my god, in that period of time, right? We haven't entirely lost it, of course, but my god, it's not what it was, and you know the the whole depiction of the editor giving the reporter a grief, and uh, by the way, uh, Simon Oakland is very good. Uh, I think in the in that series, right? Did you did you like him as the editor? Up, uh, absolutely. And and you're now at the second level of 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 the appeal of the movie, which was the second major influence on Jeff Rice were the newspaper comedies of the 1920s and 30s. Okay, uh, starting with the front page. 
Sure. If, if, if you know, you always had a wisecracking reporter played by Clark Gable or Frederick March, and that reporter was always getting into fiery arguments with his editor, played by somebody like Walter Connolly. Mm-hmm. And you had that was a trope right out of the newspaper comedies of, of the 20s and 30s. If you notice in the in the movie, in that original movie, at one point, Kolchak, when he's arguing with Vincenzo, says says to him at one point, you know, what do you want, Vincenzo? A testimonial from Count Dracula? <laughs> and then later on, he says, you know, I ought to light a candle to Ben Heck, one of the two original authors of the front page. He name checks the two major influences on Jeff Rice, <laughs> the newspaper. So he blends those two. And yet then they blend a third element into this movie which is the film noir. Kolchak operates as a film noir classic detective. He's he's a, This is a, a mystery story. Mm-hmm. The mystery happens to be supernatural and the detective happens to be a reporter. But right. those three things blended together and they shouldn't go together is basically <laughs> my point. And, but I became a journalist because of Carl Kolchak. I mean, oh. I, 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 this movie had such an impact on me that I became uh, at 15, I watched this movie and I thought, wow, you know, there's something about this uh, that I want to be a piece of. So I, you know, I wanted to be a writer, but now I I, I, I was leaning towards making a living in the newspaper world and getting a taste of that, of, of what, what's presented in this. So um, the second movie, the Night Strangler, which was set in Seattle, aired a year later because the success of the movie, the overwhelming success, dictated a sequel. And then the series started in September of 1974. September of 1974, I was starting my college career at George Washington University uh, as a journalism major. I was starting my career at the exact same month that the series started. And that was, uh, and George Washington University is located about uh, three blocks away from the White House. Oh, yeah. And sure. what had happened a few weeks before? Oh. Nixon had resigned the presidency. Sure. Largely due to the efforts of uh, reporters like Woodward and Bernstein. Right. Um, so, you know, this, 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 Kolshak is, is, it's interesting because the, both the series and, and, and the movies, they're nostalgic. They hearken back to previous things like Dracula and, and the newspaper comedies of the 30s and 40s. But they are also of their time because they give us a a crusading reporter in the era of Watergate. Right. And the amazing thing about Kozak is, you know, most vampire stories reflect their times in some ways. You can't write a sonnet in your time and not be reflective of your time. And the amazing thing about Kolshak is that Kolshak was not only reflective of his uh, of his time period, he was prophetic. He was both. Because the first movie aired in January of 1972. That's a few months before the Watergate break-in. Right. Not after. Before it. Oh. And then the series starts right after Nixon resigned the presidency. So those two things bookend the whole arc of the Watergate story. Wow. So, the, and, and you know, so I was going to college. I was starting my college career surrounded by students who wanted to be Woodward and or Bernstein. They, you know, were all <laughs> sure. under the spell of all the president's men at that point. I knew that if they made a movie, uh, go ahead. Let's see. Uh, well, no, no, I was just, I was going to say, you know, with that background, um, I'm amazed that they don't just bring that series, either reboot it, you know, like they've done with uh, 
uh, what Magnum PI and Quantum Leap, where NBC has put those series back on the air with with totally new cast. I'm surprised they don't do that with Night Stalker because of what the New York Times article said this Sunday was the networks basically are aiming at the old, you know, folks, uh, whether, whether you want to call them uh, uh, generation, uh, you know, the, you know, the people that have been watching TV all their lives um, because the young youngsters are all watching. And I say youngsters under 40 uh, streaming. And, uh, you know, so yeah, I'm not I'm not so sure that even the the older reviewers aren't aren't. Yeah, this yeah, is. Oh, yeah, they're, they're all. Yeah. But but the networks yeah. are really kind of homing in on the older folks. And sure. Think sure. That would be gold for them. The, the but, you know, they, they they actually did try to reboot uh, they, Night okay. Stalker in 2005. ABC okay. tried a, uh, a very short lived uh, version of it. And at that point, all of the things that had influenced that the Night Stalker influenced, and like I said, where we started, this is the one of the most important things about Night Stalker that you have to remember. B- between them, the two movies and the series it, it had an enormous influence on horror storytelling going forward. And you get a generation later, you get to the 90s. And then everybody who were watched the Night Stalker, they start to make movies and they start to make television. And it's all done under the tremendous influence of Kolshak. Um, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the oh, X-Files, yeah. Men in Black, uh, yeah. the late, a little yeah. bit later, Supernatural and Grimm, all of this stuff. Yeah. You know, the, the people who made these were avowed uh, Night Stalker fans. Chris Carter, who created the X-Files, told anybody who would listen to him, I created the X-Files to do my generation's version of, of Night Stalker, uh, of Kolshak. Yeah. So this yeah. has a tremendous, and even if you don't know who Carl Kolshak is, even if you don't know what Night Stalker is, uh, you've been influenced by it, whether you know it or not. <laughs> Mark, that's great. I'll tell you, I, I can't wait for your book next year. <clears throat> Whenever it comes, I have to run, but I appreciate it so much. We've been talking with Mark Dewidziak. The well, I mean, I don't know if I can list all your credits, Mark, because they're so vast. But stay tuned for more on Night Stalker and, and you saying the Kolchak Chronicle or Companion. Companion, Companion. is that what yeah. I'm gonna call you, yeah, you're, that's, that's your working title, right? That's the working title, and I, I think that's probably what we're gonna end up going with. Very good. Mark, I haven't told anybody that, by the way. That's a scoop for you. All right. I haven't told that to anybody. <laughs> well, Mark, I appreciate it so much, man. And and I look forward to our third get-together. We, we, we'll pick one of your many other topics. That sounds so, good. Thanks so much, Mark. All Take right. Care. Thanks, Steve. Bye-bye.